Welcome to the very first In the Arena segment of the Give Game Podcast. This segment will take place after the initial 25-minute mark of the podcast, and in this segment of the podcast, I will cover the latest news in the world of sports, from soccer to boxing, from tennis and golf, NFL and NBA check, MLB and NHL check, WNBA check. This segment will also cover college sports as a whole, men and women. I would try to keep this segment under 45 minutes, but that will depend on what is going on in the wonderful world of sports and what guests I have on and what they have to say. Now, I may not have guests on this segment all the time, and I may not cover every single sport all the time. However, I will provide the masses with a fresh fucking insight and have fun doing so. All right, let's go ahead and hop right on into it. NBA season just ended. Golden State Warriors, 2021-2022 champions. Let's take a look back on the season. I'm going to highlight about 10 teams, and then I'm going to go into a recap of the NBA Finals. First team I'm going to recap, LeBron and the Lakers. Lakers LeBron finished the season 33-49. and 49. 33 and 49. That's a damn shame, especially for a LeBron James led team. All right. I'll get to uh, Russell Westbrook. Shot 44% from the field the entire season. By all accounts, that seems like a good season if you look at it on paper. Average 19 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Shot 30% from the three-point line. Just stop shooting fucking threes, Westbrook. Or Westbrook. Just stop shooting threes. He's never been a consistent shooter throughout his career. It's always been streaky. If he's hot, he's hot. If he's not, he's not. His main focus going into next season should be getting to the bucket and finishing out the rim, which he had some trouble doing this year. Routine layups, too, just missing them. Just ridiculous. Just ugly. His plus or minus for this season, minus 211. 211. Let's get to LeBron. LeBron played 56 games this season. Averaged 30 points per game. It's his best season in a while, points-wise. Eight rebounds, six assists. His plus or minus, minus 117. 117. His plus or minus has not been in the negative since he was a rookie with the Cavs. His rookie year with the Cavs, his plus minus was negative 144. For those of you that don't know what plus minus is, plus minus is a, well, here's the actual definition. Plus minus is a measure of a player's impact on the game, represented by the difference between their team's total scoring versus their opponents when the player is in the game. So for example, Let's say LeBron plays the entire first quarter or first half and the Lakers score 50 points and another team they're playing scores 25 points. 
LeBron's plus or minus for that uh, entire half will be 25 or plus 25. Now on the flip side, let's say LeBron plays the entire first half against that same team. That team scores 50 points and the Lakers score 25 points. While LeBron is on the court, his plus or minus would be negative 25. So I hope that makes sense. Now back into it. AD played 40 games. Anthony Davis, or what Charles Barkley likes to call him, street clothes. <laughs> because he can't stay fucking healthy. It's not a knock on him. That's just the way it is. You don't wish injuries on anybody, but you got to call it like you see it. He played 40 games, averaged 23 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists with 2 blocks per game. His plus or minus is actually a little bit closer to the positive side. Minus 92. We'll get into the Lakers a little bit more in a few minutes. Moving on to the Nets. KD and company. Finished 44 and 39. KD through 55 games regular season. Averaged 30 points per game, seven rebounds, six assists. Kyrie Irving, 27 points, four rebounds, six assists. James Harden for the time that he was there, 23 points per game. A lot can be said about that team. We'll get into that in a few minutes also. 76ers, Philly. I've never been to Philadelphia, but that's on my bucket list of cities to go to. They finished the season 51 and 31. Phenomenal year, regular season wise. Joel Embiid, MVP runner up, finished with 30.6 per, points per game. Just, uh, just shy of 31 points per game. 12 rebounds. James Harden for the time that he was in Philly. 22 points per game. Moving on to Phoenix. 64 and 18. Finished with the best record in the NBA. Chris Paul is in MVP talks for early or early on in the season. He finished the season, regular season, averaging 15 points per game and 11 assists. He's a floor general, but I feel like he kind of got exposed in the playoffs. Here's what people don't understand. The regular season, it's easy to front run in the regular season in the NBA because mainly because you're playing different teams every day of the week. So there's no time to game plan for a team. You just kind of got to go with what you know about the team and what you know about the players. But come playoff time, you better be ready because seven game series, you're locked and loaded. Teams have time to adjust to what you're doing. They know what works and what doesn't work. If you know you're going to make the playoffs in the regular season, it's easy to coast through. Especially if you know how to beat certain teams. So I really don't look into the regular season that much. The regular season can tell you a lot about a team, but the playoffs is where it's at. Chris Paul kind of got exposed on the defensive end. He was putting switches. He's an undersized guard. You really don't see that many point guards his height anymore. He was caught in switches where he was having to guard a bigger player, more agile player than he is. 
and he became a liability on defense. He was pretty good on the offensive end, but at the end of the day, defense does win, does win championships. You got to be able to play good defense to win an NBA title. And he was one of the reasons why I feel like they couldn't advance. All right, moving on to the Clippers. Finished the season 42-40. and 40. Kawhi was out for the season. PG played 31 games and averaged 24 points per game. Not a lot you can say about their season. You knew it really wasn't going to be that good with Kawhi out. But they got to have some high hopes going into next year. Hopefully Kawhi is still the same player coming off of that injury. Hopefully PG, PG, Paul George, can come back healthy as well. The Denver Nuggets finished the season 49-33. and 33. Good season when it comes to them. Jokic was the MVP. Murray was out for the season, so Jokic had to carry the team. Now look, Jokic and Embiid are probably neck and neck for, well not probably, they are neck and neck for the best center in the league, best centers in the league. I mean, you can make an argument that Embiid is probably the closest thing we've seen to Hakeem Olajuwon as a center. His footwork down on the block is is crazy. He can take you out behind a three-point line, cross you up, hezzy you up, step back, jumper in your face. He can do it all. He's not just a finesse player. He can bang you down low too. He can use his size to get you where he wants to get you, put you in your place, dunk on you. Jokic is the same way. He can spread the floor too. He's... He's been seen numerous times bringing the ball up court, facilitating the offense, getting everybody into the right spots. He'll he'll run some pick and pop, get behind a three-point line. He can also take you down low into the block, punish you there using his size. He can hit you with finesse. He can hit you with the strong game. He has an array of moves to get done what he needs to get done. Both of those centers can do it all. They're old-fashioned classic centers. Um, Rudy Gobert out of Utah, he's a classic center too. He's a classic rim protector. He's not going to wow you with the scoring ability, but he can play some defense. He will alter shots around the rim. Moving on to Boston. Boston made it to the NBA Finals. They finished the regular season 51 and 31. Tatum, regular season, averaged 27 points per game. Brown, Jalen Brown, 24 points per game. Marcus Smart, 12 points per game. And he also won Defensive Player of the Year. For a guard, that's saying something, but we'll dive into more of that later on. Milwaukee, Giannis and company, the freak, put up some freakish numbers. They finished the season 51 and 31. Giannis, 30 points per game, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, was also in the MVP race. No Middleton in the playoffs hurt him, though. That kind of uh, messed up their continuity. They uh, played the best they could without him, but in the end, they really needed him. 
not just for offense, but for defense as well. On the offensive end, they need somebody else that can create their own shot, be consistent with scoring, and they're missing that for Middleton. Moving on to the Miami Heat. Had the best record in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Buckets. Butler averaged 21 points per game. 6-6. Six and six. Those numbers don't really jump out at you, but he was balling this year. Especially in the playoffs. Bam Adebayo. 19, 10, and 3. Tyler Harrell won sixth man of the year. Finished the season on 21 points per game, five assists, or five rebounds, four assists. Adebayo had a great year, but for for the Miami Heat to take it to the next level and to be a constant or consistent title contender, he's going to have to average 25 and 10 during a regular season. And then when the playoffs comes, he's going to have to average 28 28 and 16 maybe and he's capable of doing that he just has to set his mind to do it I think he's fully capable of doing it now whether or not he'll be with the Miami Heat in the future only time will tell Tyler Harrow as well you gotta think he's gonna be looking for a starting role I think the Heat will put him in the starting role next year if he's not starting and still coming off the bench, he might want to go somewhere else. I'm kind of 50-50 on those two finishing their careers in Miami. Tyler Harrow, I think he's going to chase the money, which no problem with that. Adebayo as well. So you never know how that free agency will pan out. All right, last but not least, we got the Golden State Warriors. Your 2021-2022 NBA champions. Finished the season 53-29. Curry averaged 26 points per game. Five rebounds, six assists. He actually didn't shoot the ball, the three ball, that well during the regular season. He finished shooting 38%. That is his lowest since he... Got injured two years ago after playing five games. Prior to that year, he, I mean, he never finished below 41%. So, I mean, you can take a look at that, but I don't think that really matters. Next year, I wouldn't be surprised if he shoots 49% from three. Clay Thompson came back after a two-year hiatus, knee and, uh, knee and Achilles injuries. Klay Thompson averaged 20 points per game, four rebounds and three assists while playing 32 games. There were some continuity issues coming in when he came back. He started to find his way a little bit towards the end of the season. And thank God he found it in time for the playoffs. Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins were probably the biggest stories for the team this year. Especially Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole finished the season 19 points a game, three uh, three rebounds, four assists. Wiggins, 17 points per game, five rebounds, two assists. Wiggins really came alive in the playoffs. 
Jordan Poole had his moments in the playoffs, but it wasn't really consistent. I think next year, he's really going to make a quantum leap in the game. All right, on to the NBA Finals. Warriors and Celtics. Warriors win in six games. Celtics won that first game. Warriors win game two. Celtics game three. Then Warriors win three in a row. Steph Curry was your finals MVP, averaging 31 points per game. Six rebounds, six assists. Wiggins averaged 18 points, eight rebounds, and two assists a game. I got to tell you, Wiggins was phenomenal in the NBA Finals. Wiggins, I believe, is what Harrison Barnes should have been for the Golden State Warriors. If Harrison Barnes averaged 18 points in the NBA Finals when they played against Cleveland, LeBron would probably not have an NBA title. He would be down one NBA title. He would only have three. All right. Clay Thompson, 17 points, three rebounds, two assists. He shot 36% from the field. Those aren't great numbers, but he did his job. He made timely threes when he needed. Shoot or shoot. And it's one thing about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. If they miss repeatedly, they'll keep shooting. Poole in the NBA Finals averaged 13 points a game, two rebounds, two assists. He made some timely shots when they needed him to, to try to break some momentum that the Celtics were building in some of the games. His energy was very much needed in the, in the NBA Finals. Draymond Green had some horrible games in the NBA Finals, but listen, look, Draymond Green is, he is who he is. It's, a, it's the small things that he does on the basketball court. So if he has a horrible game, I mean, he's the glue that holds Golden State together. He averaged six points, eight rebounds, and six assists. He facilitates the offense. He gets everybody where they need to be. He does his job. He's the glue, like I said. Now, except for Draymond and Klay Thompson, everybody mentioned shot 43% or better from the field. That's outstanding, especially in the NBA Finals. Curry shot 48% from the field in the NBA Finals. That's fucking insane, considering like in game five, which is probably the worst game of his career that I've seen, he shot 32% for the field in that game and didn't make one three-pointer for the first time in 312 games. That's crazy. The Golden State Warriors as a whole shot 43s in that game in game five and only made nine. And they still managed to win that game by double digits. That's how I knew the series wouldn't go seven games. How often often do the Golden State Warriors shoot 43s and only make nine? 
and still win by double digits. Any team for that matter. Moving on to the Celtics. They got to the finals. Had to get had to get through some tough teams in the East. Like I said, Middleton was hurt for the Bucks. Miami posed a threat. No. They kind of beat up on each other in the Eastern Conference. Jalen Brown in the NBA Finals shot 43% from the field. Averaged 24 points per game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Jason Tatum shot 37% from the field. He had to be better in the NBA Finals for them to win. He led all players in points, but late third quarter, all of fourth quarter, he went cold for some reason. He averaged 22 points per game, seven rebounds, seven assists in the NBA Finals. Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, 15 points per game on 43% shooting, five rebounds, five assists. Now, Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. As I mentioned before, as a guard, that's saying something that says a lot about a player. But I believe this day and age, defensive player of the year is determined by which player can be as physical and push the envelope on what defense is and force the refs to either call a foul or not call a foul. That's what defensive player of the year is this day and age to me. And Marcus Smart definitely did that all season. They need to make a flopping award because the amount of flopping Marcus Smart did this year, fuck, he'd he'd win it hands down every fucking year. Al Horford turned back the hands of time in game one. He had a big game. 26 points. Was deadly from the three. He made six out of eight in game one. But he didn't carry that momentum into any other games. Game two, he ended up with two points. Game three, 11 points. Game four, eight points. Game five, nine points. And game six, which was, I mean... Golden State was going to win that game. They started off hot, but... Or Boston started off hot, but it was Golden State's for the taking. Game six, he had 19 points. He was good on the defense end, but he was ending up... Like, I don't know why... I don't know why Boston didn't adjust to this, but... He was always caught in switches where he was guarding Steph Curry. For what reason, I don't know. Like, Horford's a lockdown perimeter defender. I don't know. For the life of me, I don't know what the hell was going on. So, I mean, it's... Celtics have some thinking to do. I'm sure they'll be right back in the mix next year. Hell, it might be them and Golden State back in the NBA Finals. 
Eastern Conference is going to be tough. Especially when we see how free agency plays out. We got Bradley Beal. Where will he he be next year? Is he going to stay in the Eastern Conference with Washington or some other team? Or is he going to head out west to play with LeBron or another team out west? You got Kyrie, who has until June 29th to opt out of his, what, uh, $36 million deal next year. It's a lot of money on the table. Does he go out west to play with his old buddy LeBron? Kyrie tried to leave Cleveland and LeBron to become the man, but it didn't work out. Didn't work out in Boston. I mean, it remains to be seen in Brooklyn if it'll work out. I think he needs to return to Brooklyn and have a full season with KD. As we all know, he sat out for uh, COVID-related reasons. He didn't want to get vaccinated. That's his right. I'm not trying to discuss that. They played 17 total games together in the regular season. 17. As we know, James Harden wasn't there that much. He got traded to the uh, 76ers for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons had talks of playing this season for the Brooklyn Nets, but that didn't happen. So he has the whole offseason to get his mind correct. What type of player will he be next year? I'd say first things first, get his back healthy, but the next thing, practice your goddamn free throws. He needs to shoot a thousand a day and make at least 800 of them. At least 800 of them. If he gets consistent with making his free throws, I'm not worried about him on the defensive end because KD needs to help on defense. Ben Simmons is a great defender on the other end. He has good size. You can put him on the other team's best player just because he's lengthy. He's 6'10", pushing 6'11", long arms, big size. That'll help KD a lot. And KD can save some of that energy for the offensive end and crunch time situations. But if Ben Simmons can get consistent with making his free throws, he'll be more confident in the paint with finishing in the paint, dunking, driving to the paint for layups. He won't pass the ball to somebody else when he has a wide open layup. because of the fact that he's scared to shoot free throws. I believe it's all a confidence thing with Ben Simmons. I'm not him though, but that's my thought. That's my opinion. On to the Lakers, LeBron and company. What type of player will Westbrook be next year? Frank Vogel's out, Darvin Ham is in. What type of player will AD be? I said from the beginning of the season, that team constructed, especially with Westbrook and LeBron. Here's the thing. They're essentially the same player. Westbrook would like to be LeBron. Westbrook won an MVP. He averaged a triple-double. 
I mean, but in today's NBA, it's kind of watered down. You have all these possessions. More possessions means more shots turned into more points, more assists, more rebounds. If you're a player like Westbrook, Westbrook or LeBron, after shot goes up, you're racing to the to the rim to get the rebound, getting getting into transition, getting the ball up court. That's how it is in today's NBA. AD. How is he going to come back this season coming up? Will he be the AD of old or will he be street clothes again? He has to play a full season or at least 90% of the regular season. He has to. What type of philosophy will Darvin Ham instill in the Lakers this year? Will LeBron be all in on that? Will the team be all in? Listen, like when <laughs> it's crazy because when LeBron leaves, he leaves the team in shambles and at the bottom of the barrel. And that's how the Lakers will be whenever he leaves. He does that wherever he goes because teams don't build for long-term success when he's there. They build a team around them with veterans that give up their prime years and readjust their game just to win a championship for one or two years. And by the time three or four years go by, the prime of those players are gone. That's how it is. He did it in Cleveland the first time, which there weren't in, there really weren't outside of him decent players on that team, but he left. Went to Miami. Had some great seasons there. Got two championships. Played a young OKC team. Durant, Westbrook, Harden. Beat a great San Antonio Spurs team. Lost to the Dallas Mavericks where he was outscored by Jason Terry and J.J. Berea. That first finals appearance in Miami. Now he went to Cleveland again after that. Had Kevin Love, Kyrie. After he left, what did Cleveland do? Not a damn thing. They're still trying to recover from that. They have some good draft picks. They had a decent year this year, but they won't be sniffing the NBA Finals anytime soon or the conference championship for that matter. Like I mentioned before, KD and Kyrie played 17 regular season games together. KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons come back healthy and everybody has their mind straight, correct, they'll be a legit contender to win the NBA Finals next year. James Harden with Philly. I'll tell you one thing. If James Harden wants to make any more insane amounts of money coming up, he better ball out this season. He better come ready to play in shape in the best shape that he has ever been. Because after next season, he has a chance to opt out 
of 47 and a half million and find a new contract elsewhere. Or the Sixers can re-sign him to a new contract. He better be averaging 28 points next year. All right. So I think that wraps up the NBA talk. NBA season's over. NFL season, fastly approaching. I love me some NFL. Starting off, off-season news. It's been kind of dominating for the for the last six or seven months. Deshaun Watson and his ordeal. It's been brought to light that some of the cases have been settled. 20 out of the 24 cases. I don't think, I don't know if he's going to get suspended for the whole season or half a season. But man, if he gets suspended for a whole season, whether he's guilty or not, if he's guilty of it, I mean, that's another thing. But if he's not guilty of missing a whole another season, that's two years in a row. No telling what that can do for his career. Or no telling what that'll do to his career. Like I mentioned before, 20 out of the 24 cases have been settled. I'm kind of wondering if he's settled now, why didn't he just settle from the jump? I understand sticking to your guns, saying that you're innocent and all that, but this doesn't look good. NFL said it doesn't have any bearing or impact on the decisions that they'll make on whether or not he'll be suspended. The other four cases that have not been settled have a chance to go to trial if a settlement isn't reached in about six months. Now it's going to be a wait and see with that one. Do the Cleveland Browns hold on to Baker Mayfield? You know he wants out. If they do, what type of player will Baker Mayfield be for the Browns? You have to think if he ends up being the starter for the Browns this year and he decides to put his side shit to the side or his feelings to the side, this year will be his audition tape for next year. So, I mean, it it would be smart of him to put all the bullshit to the side and just compete and play to the best of his abilities and hopefully it's enough to get them to the playoffs and hopefully he has his best year because after this season he won't be on the Browns or will he guess all that depends on Deshaun Watson alright I'm going to give a quick division rundown of the AFC East and the NFC North First up, AFC East. You have the Jets. They draft Sauce Gardner, DB, out of Cincinnati. Great college player. We'll see how it translates to the NFL. Garrett Wilson. Great wide receiver. Six feet tall. We'll see how he translates to the NFL. He has great speed. Makai Becton comes back after sitting out. 
Their defense, the Jets' defense gave up 30 points per game last year. Their offense put up a whopping 18 points per game. Zach Wilson showed some promise. Not a lot you can say about this team. I'm going to be very generous here, and I have them finishing 6-11 this season. And that's being generous. Moving on to the Patriots. Mac Jones coming in. He has a nice core group of receivers. Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, tight ends Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. They drafted Tyquan Thompson, speedster out of Baylor. I believe he ran a 4-2-2-40 at the combine. We'll see how that we see how that works for them. Their offense actually put up 27 points per game last year, which is really good. Defense gave up 17 points per game. If you know anything about the Patriots, Bill Belichick leading that team, they'll always be in the mix. And if they put up 27 points per game and only gave up 17 points per game, I don't see how you can be worse than that. I have them finishing 11 and 6. Moving on to the Dolphins. Can Tua take the next step and lead the team? That's the question. He has all the pieces around him to succeed. He added Tyreek Hill, Chase Edmonds, utility back coming out the backfield to go along with Jalen Waddle and tight end Mike Jacecki. In 13 games, though, Tua threw for 2,600 yards, 16 TDs and 10 INTs. Waddle had a decent year, 1,000 yards receiving on 104 receptions. So he was their prime target. Jaseki finished just shy, of, just shy of 800 yards, 780 yards on the season. 73 receptions. Have the Dolphins finishing at 10 and 7. I feel like the, the greatest question for Tua is, or the offense for that matter, is how they'll utilize Tariq Hill. I mean, they have to use him to take the top off of defense, clear up that space in the middle. They got to get him out in space to make a move. He'll go from zero to 100 in two seconds, and he's out the door. It's all in Tua's hands, man. If they don't make the playoffs this year, I think Tua might be considered a bust. Some people view him as that right now. Moving on to the Bills. Josh Allen and company, you got to figure they'll be right back in the Super Bowl hunt. They were so fucking close last year to advancing to the AFC Championship game. That game between them and the Chiefs was one for the ages. To lose a game like that, that, that hurts. That shit hurts. They got a solid defense coming back on the back end. And that secondary, Micah High, Jordan Poyer, looking for a new deal at 31. You got to think he's ready to ball out next year. Tredavious White and rookie first-round draft pick from Florida, Kair Long. He's apparently making enough waves to start this season. 
We'll see how the preseason goes. Bills led the league last year in total defense. Their secondary only gave up 163 passing yards. So you know they're looking to do the same this year. Two years ago, they had a solid run game. I felt like they relied too much on Josh Allen this year, passing the ball, getting him out on the perimeter to throw the ball. This year, though, their run game was up and down. They, like I said, they were asking Josh Allen to do too much. They weren't as balanced. I think they need to get back to more balanced attack for them to take it to the next level. I think they finished the season 12 and 5. Prediction for the AFC East. Bills win the division. I wouldn't be surprised if New England challenges challenges them like the last few weeks of the season to decide the winner of that division. Dolphins have a shot, but it's an outside shot. Capitalize the whole word outside. Put quotation marks around it. Outside shot. But like I said before, it depends on Tua. All right, moving on to the NFC North. You got the Packers. Rodgers loses Devontae Adams to the Raiders. I mean, which I don't really blame him. He sent out a tweet or a statement saying that Rodgers and Carr are the same talent-wise, which is which was bullshit. Obviously, he has to say that because he's known Carr since college. And that's his actual quarterback now. But there's no way in hell Carr is comparable to Aaron Rodgers. But we gonna see this season. And I really can't blame Devontae Adams from leave, for leaving Green Bay. I mean, after playing in Green Bay for years and have the opportunity to leave and play in Vegas, it's like apples and oranges. Green Bay, Vegas, Green Bay, Vegas, Green Bay, Vegas. Pick one. Aaron Rodgers is left with a bunch of number two and number three wide receivers. He'll have to rely on veteran wide receivers Cobb and Sammy Watkins if the offense will have any fucking threat in the passing game this season. (laughs) They do bring back Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who both had solid seasons on the ground and catching the ball out the backfield. Their defense was in the top 10 in total defense last season. They gave up 21 points per game last year. They managed to force 26 turnovers which put them at third in the league. So they'll be needing to do all of that and more to make sure Aaron Rodgers gets as many possessions as possible. I have them finishing the season, regular season, 10 and 7. On to the Lions. Lions drafted DN, Aiden Hutchinson, and wide receiver Jameson Williams. He's still recovering from the ACL injury he suffered in the national championship game. So we'll see how he comes back from that. I see Hutchinson having a solid season, but not enough to significantly impact the defense who finished 29th in the total defense last year. 
They gave up 27 points per game. Now, I like Dan Campbell as a head coach, and it seems like the Lions organization and the players do as well. I'm rooting for the Lions to overachieve this coming season. I mean, Jared Goff is our quarterback. We'll see how that works. But my money is on them not overachieving. They might overachieve a little bit. I'm going to be generous and give them a record of 6-11. and 11. Moving on to the Vikings. <sighs> what can you say about the Vikings? They baffle me every fucking season. They start off hot in the mix, and then after the midpoint, they start to fizzle out up and down inconsistent. On offense, defense, cousins, inconsistent. They kind of remind me of the Atlanta Falcons. Talent from top to bottom, but just can't get their shit together. When Matt Ryan was at the helmet quarterback there. They got Zadarius Smith through free agency. He was released by the Packers. He's been decent in spots. And has a solid career. He's had a solid career, but he's looking to get back to Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl form from a few years ago. They also signed Jordan Hicks. Another solid player at linebacker. Look, you know what you're going to get from Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, and Thielen. You would think the fact that Cousins threw for 4,200 yards last year, 33 touchdowns, 7 INTs, they'd be in position to challenge for the NFC Championship. Let me tell you, those two stats tell me or those stats tell me two things. The defense gave up 25 points per game. It was lackluster. Offense put up 25 points per game, and they didn't come through in pivotal moments in late-game situations. I got them finishing 10-7. and seven. Moving on to the Bears. Justin Fields coming back. Again, with no real help on the offensive side of the ball. They had a mediocre run game averaging 118 yards per game. And their passing game was abysmal. Fucking hideous. Averaging 188 yards per game. They had a top 10 defense last season. But let's dive deep into that. They gave up the third fewest yards per game in the air, but their run defense gave up 125 yards per game. So analyzing that, I'm going to say the amount of success teams had running the ball against the Bears is probably why they did so good defending the pass. Because teams are like shit. They can't stop the run. We won't pass the ball. I'm not really expecting anything big from the Bears this year. I think they finished 5-12 on the season. My prediction for the division winner. Packers win the division. Somehow, some way, Whether it's given to them or Rodgers takes them to the promised land. And when I say it can be given to them. I mean, other teams in the division will fuck it up so much that the Green Bay Packers have no choice but to win the division. 
So, all right, that concludes the very first in the arena segment of the Give Game podcast. Be on the lookout for future episodes where I'll cover more NFL news. I'll be going over the AFC North and the NFC East in the next episode. MLB news, stats, and predictions, college sports, and any other important news going on in the sports world. So I'll be seeing y'all next time where it goes down in the arena.